0: Jesus let's just enjoy this moment maybe lift your hands up and just as an offer of sacrifice and confession and also a posture of receiving let's give the Lord a moment to speak to us, highlight areas of our lives maybe that we need to confess and ask for forgiveness for. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, as we stand before you in your house. We've been making some beautiful declarations this morning that you are our hope. We worship you. We love you. You're our king. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to us, that our worship would continue, our adoration as we focus upon your word and reminded of your truth. That Lord, you would speak to us, you would encourage us, you would challenge us. But Lord, that you would just bring us closer to you and do the work only you can do, which is change hearts. Lord, we really do give you all the glory. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Why don't we give our worship team a round of applause? They work very hard, especially this one. It's my daughter. Uh, Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Good morning to everybody watching online. Thank you for joining us. And uh, and today we, are, I need to tell you this. Just before I came up, my son Luke leaned over to me. and he says, "I love these old ones." And I thought, "Oh." <laughs> that made me feel really old at that moment. Because what older than four people on stage. the songs older than four people on stage, but not Zach, right, Zach? Did you? Okay, praise God. So good. I loved it. I love the echo. That just reminded me of some of those old hymns when I was growing up, where we would uh, the guys would sing and then the the ladies would sing, and there was this concophony, this beautiful ladies' sound, and then this guy sound. (laughs) So uh, depending on who you were sat next to, it was so good. Thank you, Zach. Do a great job. So today we're, uh, we're coming to the end of our series in the book of David, and it's been an amazing, uh, sorry, the story of David, it's been an amazing journey through different parts of his life, and um, I, I would not be able to give it justice this morning to summarize everything that we've reflected on and learned. We've seen that David at his, often his worst, we can relate to and resonate with, uh, his honesty in the Psalms, the struggles, the chaos of his life at times. And then David, King David at his very best, this beautiful picture of Jesus, King Jesus. And today what I'm going to attempt to do, and this is a, it's a big ask really, because I, I know that the topic that I'm going to jump into is, uh, is a big one, and so we're going to do some real teaching, and, um, and, and I'm going to be going quite quickly, so I encourage you to watch it again online, make some notes and, um, and, you know, get into a community group and a care group to discuss, come to the table. You really want to jump into this topic because it is a massively beautiful and profound subject. And it also uh, really lays the foundation for what Pastor Phil is going to be starting next week, which is our new series, uh, which I'll talk about in just a few minutes, called The Jesus Code. And so it's really a bridge between where we're coming from with King David to where we are going to, which is King Jesus. Uh, and it's just that, that one verse that I want to draw your attention to, uh, which is right at the beginning of the book of Matthew, uh, which is verse 1. That, this, that's where all, we're only going there. Verse 1 of Matthew 1. And the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, it's one of those easy ones to remember and Probably, depending on your rhythm of reading your Bible through the year, this might be January 1st for you and you jump straight into this list of names that we kind of skim over because they're, they're hard to pronounce. Uh, it, it would be unusual for me to say to you, this is a really exciting passage, but it really is. It's an amazing passage. So we're going uh, to kind of pull this apart a little bit in our time together this morning. In her excellent book called *Growing Young*, uh, a professor from the Fuller Theological Seminary called Kara uh, Powell started a massive study of hundreds of churches in uh, in America. This study went from studied churches that were less than five years old to over hundred years old. It was uh, 30, oh, sorry, fifteen different denominations, three years of research, ten thousand hours of research and 10,000 plus pages of data and She asked this question, and she did it by uh, contacting the main denominations, and I include across the whole of uh, what would term Christian, uh, so Catholic to Protestant and everything in between. Uh, she asked this question of the denominations. Uh, what are the churches, and I'm paraphrasing, what are the churches doing that are growing or have something special happening with teenagers, college students, and young adults? That was the question. And she also wanted to know which particular churches saw an uptick, if you like, in uh, involvement from that age. Now, I think this was 2006, so we're really looking at millennials and Gen Z here with this question. What churches suddenly saw an increase that may have been in decline, and then suddenly saw an increase in involvement and attendance from young people? And this is a great question, it's a question That Pastor Phil and myself and the team ask all the time: what can we do to make sure the message of Jesus Christ goes across all generations? All four generations sat in this room. It's a really important question. Here's what she didn't find. Okay, I'm not gonna list, I'm just gonna list them really quickly. Here's what she found that qualities that were not needed. Number one, a particular size. It could be big or it could be small. It didn't need to be in a trendy location. It didn't need to be a certain age. It didn't need to be a particular denomination. It didn't need to have, and this is unfortunate because we have this in spades. You ready? Cool factor. It didn't need any cool factor. I don't even know what that means. That's how cool I am. Um, It didn't need a great building. It didn't need a big budget. And all the executive pastors in the room says, amen. It didn't need contemporary worship. This is her words. It could be a church that had smells and bells. Or a church that was casual and contemporary. So everything from a pipe organ. To acapella. All the way through to high production lights, lasers and smoke machines. It didn't need. It, there wasn't any commonality across that. It didn't have watered down teaching. And it didn't have an entertaining, catchy program. So. We lean in and want to know, well, what did they have? And she found that there were six commonalities across these churches that saw an increase in youth and young adults, millennials, and Gen Z. Number one, that they were thrown the keys, that they were given positions of important leadership, not just the chores, and there's nothing wrong with the chores, you know, the the kind of the the stuff that we we value and we need to have happen on a Sunday morning, but actual positions of leadership with decision-making positions. They had high empathy, high empathy for the moment of time that they were living in. And they put resources behind that, that they had a very high value on community. The church life and also so they had a high involvement in their neighbors in social justice etc etc the final one the final one is what I want to focus on what was it that each of these churches had in common i tell you what when this microphone comes on you're going to jump <laughs> so be ready <laughs> I'm going into rugby coach mode um, so what was it that these churches had in common unapologetically preached Jesus. Unapologetically (laughs) preached Jesus. Let me me summarize this. Let Let me show you just, let me kind of break this part a little bit. They found that less talk about abstract beliefs like church and God and more talk of Jesus was what these churches had in common. That they had less tied to, they were less tied to formulas and more on a redemptive narrative. In other words, they interpreted each part of the Bible within the whole unfolding story of God and God's people. And then finally, it was less about heaven later and more about life here and now. Not only reward at the end, but also transformation now in everyday life. Here's the good news, church. You came to a church this morning that emphasizes All three of those things. We believe in the whole Bible. We believe in Jesus. We believe that the narrative of the Bible is about Jesus. And we believe that he is the answer, not just to future, not just heaven, but also here on earth, transformation now. That is what we want to be as a church, unapologetically. So this morning, as we transition from the series of David to uh, the series uh, called the, uh, the, the Jesus Code, which uh, Phil will be jumping into next week, that we're going to focus on three things. The first thing is we're going to look at making Jesus the focus. Why is that important? We're going to look at the unfolding story of the Bible in the world, and we're going to look at how the story starts now. And those were the three basic points I just gave you. I'm just going to pause for a second and talk to the amazing media and tech team. How are we doing, guys? It's not good when you can't actually see anyone in the booth. All right. I'm wondering, uh, Drew, can you give me some direction? What should I do? You know what this is? This is tech. Did it work? Praise the Lord. Let's give them a big round of applause. What you don't get to see is what I see is all the running around and the frantic. This is called Tech Director's Revenge, praise God. Okay, so what I'm going to do this morning, and, and this is where it's a little bit, we're just going to jump in a little bit, let's just take a breath, especially the preacher. Let's get back on track. Is The question was, what is it that churches see, uh, what are the commonalities across churches that see an increase in youth and young adults. I would argue that any church that focuses on the things I've just described is going to see an increase in growth. It doesn't matter your age. But I want to show you that as we step into this new series and we wave the series of King David behind, what is really the big story? What's the big narrative? What is it that God wants to show us this morning that is actually going to see change in our lives as we bridge these two series? So let's jump straight in First point is making Jesus the focus. Kara Powell in the same book, Christianity can be awkward, confusing sometimes, but Jesus is always magnetic and compelling. I like that. You see, young people, millennials, whatever it might be, doesn't matter your age, all generations, when you mention the name of Jesus, there's something powerful and magnetic about it. People are less inclined to want to talk about God or church. And they are very happy to talk about Jesus. Jesus has never lost his, and forgive me for putting it in this way, his popularity. Whether it be in pop culture or whether it be across history, Jesus is as relevant today as he has been for the last 2,000 years. And I'm going to show you this morning and beyond that Jesus is compelling and he's magnetic. But what is it that makes Jesus so compelling and so magnetic? Because Jesus came to the planet and he showed us the very best way to be human. He showed us the very best way to be human. His invitation was to join him in this new way of living now. To join him in this best way of being human. And Matthew, as we jump into Matthew one, 1 is really excited about this. Because look at how excited he is. Is there anything more exciting about that sentence? Now you might look at that and go, really? He's excited? He really is. N.T. Wright, the theologian and historian, said this, that for many cultures, ancient and modern, and certainly the Jewish world of Matthew's day, this genealogy was the equivalent of a drum roll, a fanfare of trumpets, a town crier calling for attention. Any first century Jew would find this family tree both impressive and compelling. There's that word again. Like a great procession down a city street, we watched figures at the front and the ones in the middle. And all the eyes are waiting for the one who comes in the position of greatest honor right at the end. And his name is Jesus. That's what this genealogy is about. The scientist Carl Sagan says you have to know the past to understand the present. Any good counselor is going to jump into what happened in your past in order for you to gain an understanding of what is going on in your present. So what Matthew is doing here with Jesus is he's saying, look, this is Jesus' resume, if you like. This is why Jesus is important. This is why Jesus is worth listening to. This is why Jesus changed the world. This is why he's compelling and magnetic. So your family tree, your family of origin, really, in many ways, dictates who you are. If you meet my kids, you're gonna, if you get to know them long enough, you're going to be able to spot characteristics that belong to their mum, and then all the characteristics that belong to me, and they're very, thank you, Phil laughs, and they're very, very different. They really are. Like like Zoe, she's like fiery and and like that. Can you tell when I preach, I get fiery? Zoe's like that in life as well. And even down to things like I chew the side of my lip just there, and so does my two boys. Isn't that weird? I've genetically given them lip chewing. That's just weird. (laughs) I hope I've given you a few more things as well. But your, your heritage is really important. See, we acknowledge our heritage now But then, in Jesus' time, in the time of Matthew, it was everything. Everything. It was everything that you were. You see, Matthew is underscoring that Jesus is the one that everyone is waiting for. So I look, uh, I look, I'm interested in my family of origin. And and so Madden is, you, you can look back and you'll see that it's an Irish name, there's actually a town called Madden, where everybody's called Madden, and, you know, it's, that must be odd, um, but there's a, so we're Irish, but then on, on my kind of uh, maternal grandmother side is Fishburn, which is, uh, which we're from Chelmsford, and we a lot in Norfolk, and so there's this, and then there's Madden's from Yorkshire, and it's a whole mishmash, and so I did some research, I asked my dad about it, my uncle has actually done quite a lot of research into the family tree, and, um, and I found out that one of the houses of origin was here, I kid you not. Are you ready? This is Holcomb Hall, 25,000 acre estate. Look at the inside of it. Yeah, I know. Doesn't that, that piano look like it's a toy piano, doesn't it? That shows you how big it is. Look at this. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Fishbones live there, kind of. Actually, we, we did live there, technically, probably in some very small rambling cottage at the very edge Because I come from generation of generation of generation of gamekeepers of Holcomb Hall, which I think is kind of cool, and also gives me the reason why, if you heard my sermon a couple of weeks ago, I have a tendency to do away with deer. Because that's what a gamekeeper does. They breed game in order for really rich folk to come and kill. That's, That's my heritage. Now, how does that translate into me being who I am now? I have no idea. No idea at all. But in Jesus' time, this would have had such a significance. It would have been this declaration of who Jesus is and why we should listen to him. And so as we emulate and put Jesus up as the most important, this is what Matthew is doing. Growing churches make much of Jesus. Because Jesus is worth making much of because of his heritage and who he is. Why is that? Why is it so important? Well, look at the actual verse. Well, that's come out interesting. That's Greek. The book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. These two words are really important. It literally means Bible. This genealogy is a a collection of stories, if you like. And then the second word is where we get our word Genesis from. This is really, really interesting. Because what it's saying is this. Matthew is declaring that the the covenants that we're standing on, and that's what Phil is going to start talking about next week, there's a new covenant. This word, uh, geniosis, is actually a word that would have meant a lot to his hearers. They would have immediately thought about Genesis 1.1. When God hovered above the chaos... And brought new life through his Holy Spirit. That's what they would have thought of. So Matthew, right at the beginning, is saying this. The old Genesis is important. But there is, are you ready? A new Genesis that Jesus is bringing. That this genealogy is a declaration of the new covenant. The new way of living. There's a recreation of the world, if you like. How God will put it right this time. A new way of living. A Genesis of change. Jesus enters the world's story and changes it forever. What's even more exciting is that Jesus enters our story and changes us forever. That's why it's compelling. That's why it's important because young people, millennials, boomers, Gen Xs, traditionalists, whatever stage of life you're at, let me tell you the reason why Jesus' story is so important is because he brings a Genesis new start to you, a new story to you. Regardless of your past story, then he can actually bring, and the biblical word is a regeneration. It's going back to the way that we were actually initially created to be. And that's why young people are so excited, because it's offering a new way of life. A life that includes being a better new human. A human like Jesus showed us. But Matthew doesn't finish there. He says, look, this, not only this book is bringing a genesis, a new story, a new covenant, then he is the Messiah. That would have been a profoundly powerful word to the Jewish culture at that time. They'd been waiting for the Messiah For generation upon generation. And I'm not going to go into we will in the next few weeks as to how Jesus turned out to be very different than him who they were expecting. But this Messiah is a declaration of power. Paul tells us this concerning his son Jesus who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared the son of God. So on one hand Jesus is fully human. On another hand he is fully God and he comes in power. So Matthew is saying there's a new Genesis coming, as I often say, buckle up, there's a new Genesis coming, his name is Jesus, he's going to bring a new life, a new story, a new way of living, a new kingdom, and how do we know he's going to be able to do that? It's because he comes in power, he comes in the godly power, he is God. So not only does he come with the promise, he comes with the ability to actually bring that change. That's why Jesus is compelling. And that's why Jesus is important. That's why Jesus is the answer. That's why as Christians we say that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is powerful. He's compelling. And that leads us to the second thing. So why do we focus on Jesus? Because he's powerful, he's compelling, he's magnetic. He's the son of God. The unfolding story of the Bible. So what, what is it that causes growth? What is it that, is that makes people lean in? It's the unfolding story of the Bible and the world. See, Jesus' invitation echoes all the way through Scripture. You're going to hear more about this over the next few weeks. That right at the beginning, there's, the, there's, a, there's a shout from God, if you like. Some people question whether it's a covenant or not because he doesn't use the word covenant. But it is a promise From God, right at the beginning in Genesis, and we're going to be looking at it in depth over the next few weeks. And the declaration is centered on Jesus, and it goes all the way through the Bible that Jesus is not just part of the story, He is the story. He's the apex, as N.T. Wright said, the climax. Everything is pointing to Jesus. Everything is pointing to this moment. Everything is pointing to when Jesus crashes into history and brings world historical change and personal change into our lives as well. Because look, the book of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, is Matthew saying he is God. He's also from the lineage of David, King David. Everything we've been learning about David is that David was given a promise by God and it was to establish a new kingdom and also that he would bring change. He would be the great deliverer. You see, the covenant made to David, all covenants are, in the Bible are a—it's uh, like a partnership. God says, you do this and I will do this. You make this commitment, I will make this promise. Now, we... Badly fail on every one of the promises of commitment. But God continues to follow through with the promise. And his ultimate promise was that Jesus Christ was coming. Which is why next week, this is our new series, The Jesus Code. Discover how Christ is revealed throughout the ancient covenants. We're going to work through it in the summer. I highly recommend that you join us as we work through this. And what you're going to see is that everything is the apex. Jesus is the apex of every story throughout the Bible. And And Matthew reminds us of this by saying the son of David. Again, it's a trigger word. What would the Jewish people think? They would immediately think about King David. They would also be surprised that the son of Abraham wasn't first. But Matthew, right at the beginning, is like, look, I want you to know that this one called Jesus is a king. He's a great deliverer, and he's going to establish a new kingdom. Six times he's referenced as son of David in Matthew, and then other times in the New Testament as well, that the great deliverer David has come again, if you like, but he is the ultimate, the great, the divine. Matthew's telling us this. He's saying that the story... The story of Jesus. The story becomes our story. That Jesus' story of new kingdom, new way of life, new way of being human becomes our story. And then when he talks about Abraham, see again, the trigger in the Jewish mind would be this: is that Abraham's promise from God, and we're gonna look at the Abrahamic covenant as well in the summer. Have I plugged this sermon enough? Series enough, Phil. Um As we look at that, you're going to see it's a covenant of promise and blessing. Blessing. So when we say Jesus' story becomes our story, that his bringing of blessing becomes our blessing. His story of living the ultimate human life becomes our story. That his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, all the things that all the world is seeking after, through different means, can become our story through Jesus Christ. That all the things that make us common as humans and all the things that we grasp after in order to bring that promise into our lives, that Jesus comes and says, look, I will show you the best way to be human. Come follow me. I will enable this to happen in your life through the sacrifice and the death on the cross. That Jesus' ultimate is to go to the cross And as he dies, our sin dies with him. My shame, my sin, my old life, my old story dies with him. And then the resurrection shows that now it's newness of life, that it is imputed into and onto me forever forever. This is an invitation from Jesus to come and join him in this new humanity, this new kingdom to use biblical language. And you're going to see all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, the conversation, the pointing is new kingdom language. That to say that we're a son of Abraham might seem strange, but can I tell you the Bible tells us that you are a son and daughter of Abraham and Sarah, that we are adopted in that we're family. That might not mean much to you because of your experience of what family is like. When you look at family, you might immediately be triggered yourself. You may be working really hard with a great counselor and with the Lord, working through some of the things that have happened around you and to you. So when you think of family, it might not be a positive word. You have an abstract idea that family is a good thing, but your experience of family was far from it. Can I tell you that when you come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when you say yes to him, when you choose to chase after him, when you come to the cross and recognize through the cross that your sin and shame can be forgiven, that you recognize that there is new life to be had through Jesus, that you are given a new story, yes, but you're given a whole new family. And can I tell you, Holcomb Hall has got nothing on the premises that this family owns forever, forever. I ain't going to be sat in some pokey gamekeeper's cottage on the edge. And neither are you. New kingdom, new heaven, new earth. Read about it in Revelation. It's amazing. All through Jesus. That is why young people, millennials, Gen X's, boomers, traditionalists, all the generations find Jesus compelling because he doesn't just say come and, and, and just have a, a future proof living, it says, come and enjoy the story now. Enjoy the best way to be human now. I got pretty excited at this point. The story starts now. Kara Powell said this, less about heaven later and more about life here and now. Not only reward at the end, but transformation now in everyday life. Can I tell you that when you get to my age and maybe older, there is this tendency and habit in our culture to be hypercritical of young people. We need to stop that. I say that to everybody who is my age and older because I feel like that's okay. Can I tell you one thing that reverberates through these generations is a desire to see the world changed. I didn't have that. In my generation, it was the desire to get rich. Now that doesn't mean to say that they're not interested in being rich, but generally speaking, that people from 40 and younger are far more interested in seeing the world become a better place. In other words, to put it into biblical language, they want to see the kingdom of God, but without Jesus, as Mark it says. They want to see that Now. Which is why young people need to have it communicated to them. It's not just about getting to heaven. It's about seeing world change now. And your story, Christian friend, starts now. That's why we're instructed to pray that heaven come to earth. That we can live in some way the blessed life through Jesus. A different story than the rest of the culture. Because our culture often is focused on the Canadian dream. But that's where we find the good life, the telos life. Whether it be through just the pursuit of pleasure, hedonism, or sexuality, or relationships, or just having a good time. That is not the good life. All those things become so much better in and through Jesus Christ. Because he shows us to be how to be a better human and then also empowers us to be the better human. I think if, as a church, we could get one thing right to make Jesus ultimate in our lives for sure, but to understand that Jesus doesn't doesn't join us in our story, we join him in his. There's a big difference because you come to Jesus expecting Jesus is going to become this divine life coach, give you a word for the day to pep you up, that isn't following Jesus. If you're coming to Jesus just hoping that somehow it'll fit in with another activity that your busy family has, that's not following Jesus. That's not the call of Jesus. That's not the story of Jesus. That's not joining in with Jesus' story. You see, Jesus has a completely different agenda for your life. We don't like that. We we tend to go, Amen. But actually, that's worth journaling out. Am I happy? that Jesus has a different agenda for my life than what I tend to drift towards. Jesus' agenda in life is a new way to live, a new way to be human. He calls us to be agents of change. That we're not just blessed in order for the blessing to terminate on me, myself, and mine, but we're blessed to take it into the world and point a hurting world to King Jesus. From the lineage of David, because he's fully human, so he understands what it's like to live the life that we're living. And he is also fully God, he's the Messiah, the anointed one, the one powerful enough to bring change into our lives. Radical change. And many of you have got that story, where your life was this way one day, and the next day it was completely radically different and changed, converted. Some of you came from really, really dark pasts. Some of you were saved from that by the grace of God and still had life changed. By the way, just because you don't have a really dramatic testimony, that's not true. You do have a dramatic testimony. You might not have been that drug dealer, in and out of prison, abusive person. You might be going, ah, my story's not that dramatic. Yes, it is, because the change of heart in any human needs the fully divine Messiah and King David descendant Jesus. It is a total transformation, a miracle. That's what we need. And then we take that into the world. We point to the cross and say, there you will find hope, like we've just sung. There you will find life. There you will find change. I've already quoted this person once before and see right blessing is not primarily about what god promises to do to someone it is primarily about what god is going to do through someone Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, when God sets up his sovereign rule on earth as it is in heaven, it's the poor in spirit through whom he will do it. And he carries on. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In other words, when God wants to sort out the world, to put it to rights once and for all, he doesn't send in the tanks as people often think he should. He sends in the meek. And by the time the high and mighty realize what's happening, the meek, because they are thinking about people other than themselves, um, have built hospitals, founded leper colonies, looked after orphans and widows, and not least founded schools, colleges, universities to supply the world with wise leaders. That is the history of Christianity, to be a blessing, to partner with Jesus. So two final thoughts. If you read the rest of the genealogy, Jesus' resume, if you like, Jesus' This is why you should listen to him. What you're going to see is a couple of really interesting things. There's lots in there. But I just want to show you two things as we, as we worship and pray this morning. As I invite you into the story. So for those of you who know that you're living your own story. And you're trying really hard to make it work. Let me tell you there's an invite coming for you to join the story of Jesus. To be truly human in all that humanity is meant to be. The first thing you're going to see is this. God changes, aligns with, and works through broken people. You read that genealogy. If I was going to write my genealogy, there would be names in there I would not include. You're going to see some horrendous. They are really a motley crew of the imperfect. You know, you've got Abraham and David alone. You've got an adulterer, a liar, and a murderer. But Jesus doesn't mind being aligned with people like that you're going to see civil war, you're going to see slavery, you're going to see generational poverty. But here's the amazing thing, God has this unbelievable powerful ability to turn that which is evil into good. That he will take the aspects of your life, the falling shorts to use a a, a, a Roman's term, the falling short in your life, the failures The words that you've said or not said, the thoughts that you've had, the actions, the non-action, all your wounds, all your pain, all your tears, all your sorrow, all your hardship. He has this amazing, miraculous way of taking all this, those deep moments of hurt and regret and uses them, aligns himself with them and says, I know how that feels and I love you and I want you to be part of my family. So for those of you who have experienced that kind of list in your family, welcome to the family. The family invite is strong and it resonates all the way through the scripture. If you want to know how can God use you, how can God love you, then read the list. Because you will find a whole crew of people. Who would have thought the same thing? But this passage is a passage of forgiveness. It's a passage of rescue. It's a passage of restoration and acceptance and transformation. Because in Jesus, we are healed. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly. Forgiven. Do you want to join the story? And finally, God you'll see, has his hand on history, including yours. He has his hand on history. That he's been leading you, guiding you. I like the word wooing. don't know why. It's just nice to say. Wooing you. Drawing you. That the scripture says that no one is without excuse because you can just see the glory of God in the heavens and creation. That he's been communicating to you. Perhaps that's you this morning. That you've just been hearing the whisper the constant draw you've been resisting because you think your story is all mapped out that it's going to work it's going to work for me even though it's not work for billions of other people it will for me and we convince ourselves that you're the difference and i i'm like that i'm great at convincing myself of absolute nonsense ask my wife so you might have been resisting this draw this whisper all the time he's whispering you towards the apex and his name is Jesus and as you look back at his life at your life i wonder whether you can see his hand god gives us a blank page this is your life if you like when you come to know jesus that he can take your wounding and your failure And he can take your success and he can give you a new story. He puts it in his story. So for those of you who do know Jesus, who are a Jesus follower, then welcome to the family. For those of you who don't know Jesus, I want to say to you, I would love, Pastor Phil, any of the pastors would love to say to you even today, welcome to the family. Welcome to the story of God. And welcome to the rest of your life where your story is absorbed and radically changed into his. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why he's magnetic. That's why he's compelling that through the cross, You can be a new creation, have a new story. So I want to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to pray. And I ask a really simple question to everyone in the room. That if you... Have been hearing the whisper the draw of God in your life but you have been resisting it and today is the day of rescue today is the day of salvation today is the day of new story for you to take all the gifts and the strength that God and his grace has given you all the heritage that you come from and says now you just watch and see what we can do together. If you want in on that, that you recognize that Jesus is Lord, He's King, and you need that forgiveness, that sin to be forgiven, then I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to, before you go, we've got packages that you can look at and you can read through and maybe you can get some prayer but I want to pray for you right now. So if that, is, if that is you, if you're saying, yeah, I want to join this new story with King Jesus, would you put your hand up right now? Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you right at the back. Anyone else? Bless you. You can put your hands down now. Anyone else before I move on and pray? bless you (laughs) it's so good to be the one the agent this morning to give you the offer of new family and new story that's so exciting I want to pray for you and then we're going to pray for we're going to pray together as we stand and worship, Father I pray for this half dozen or so Lord who have put their hands up this morning and Lord that might be the first time when they've just said yes Lord, yeah I'm i'm really interested in knowing more father i pray that as the seeds have been planted in their lives that father they would come to great fruit that lord as they step into this new story lord i'm thankful that the greatest miracle can happen in their hearts and their lives as they choose you jesus thank you lord that you back up your promise So maybe those of you who put your hand up, you can just pray this with me. Dear Lord, King Jesus, thank you for the invite. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross and you died and beat sin forever forgive me Lord all the things that I have said all the things that I have done all the things that I have not said all the things that I have not done forgive me Lord thank you for my new story thank you for my new family thank you for the new adventure Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a a hand clap to those who put their hands up. Praise the Lord. Everyone else, let's stand together. If you did put your hand up, please don't go before you see somebody at the Connect desk or one of the prayer team at the front. We'd love to pray with you and chat with you and give you something. We're going to worship him. We're going to praise him. Let's make this song our final prayer.